Good morning. If I haven't met you yet, I'm Pastor Anthony. I'm so glad you are here with us. Um, just so you know, because of all the moving stuff, the back slides aren't working, so I'll be reading off of here. I'm not trying to be rude and show you the back of my head. But um, yeah, I, I haven't preached for a bit, so it feels good, kind of literally dusting off the dust that is everywhere in this building. Um, it kind of feels like just a wrap-up Sunday. It's our last Sunday without air conditioning in here. Praise. Can we just thank Jesus for a new HVAC? Oh man, my, my pastor dress is very warm, so um, yeah, I'm glad that's happening. School's almost over. You guys are, parents, school's almost over, and then in a week you'll be like, school's over. <laughs> um, and then we're wrapping up our series called Eternity is Now in Session, and we kicked this off during Easter, and the big idea of this series is we're looking at, um, the reality is, as a follower of Jesus, eternity is not something you wait to experience when you die and go to be in heaven. It's part of that, but eternity is the reality that every follower of Jesus is invited into now, that God is active and reigning and ruling in our lives as the kingdom of heaven is here on earth through the power of his kingdom. And today we're wrapping that up by looking at John 15, which is one of my favorite passages in all of the scriptures. And this passage comes in uh, what we call in the book of John, the upper room discourse, where Jesus is preparing his disciples that he's about to leave them, that he's about to go to the cross, that he's going to die, that he's going to rise on their behalf, on our behalf. And before this passage, Jesus says, as I'm leaving, I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And then he says, my peace I leave with you. And I was reading that this week, and I just was so thankful that we have the peace of Jesus with us. Maybe this week you haven't felt very peaceful, but I invite you, just take a breath in. Take a breath out. And Jesus, we thank you that you are present with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you stir our hearts and our minds and our imaginations to, to come to understand and practice what it means to abide in you, Jesus, the true vine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I invite you, we're going to be going through John 15, kind of verse by verse. You can grab a pew Bible in front of you. You can scroll to it on your phone. It will be on the screen, but we're going to kind of be just going through it. So it's always nice to have it in front of you. But Jesus begins this teaching with this metaphor. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Jesus is using this metaphor to get across a spiritual reality. Now, in the, the, in the Old Testament, Israel, the nation of Israel is often depicted as a vine. That they, they had been planted by Yahweh and they were to grow and prosper. And they were supposed to be a blessing to the nations around them. All the other nations that didn't worship Yahweh, the one true God. God said, Israel, I choose you and you are to prosper and obey and live life with me so other people can see my goodness in this world and come to know me as the one true God. They were the vine to which we're going to give witness to Yahweh. But throughout the Old Testament, you see time and time again that they were not a faithful vine. They had, they had grown wild. The reading from Jeremiah used some salty language to describe who they had become. If that word offended you, take it up with the Lord or the translators from English, uh, from Hebrew to English. But they had become astray. They were no longer faithful. 
Israel was meant to be a signpost pointing to Jesus. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, I am the true vine. So all this historical background uh, imagery would have come flooding into the mind of the disciples saying, wait, 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 our, our country, our people, our, we're supposed to be the true vine. Jesus says, no, 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 I am the true vine. It's as if he's saying, what you were supposed to be, where you've been failing, where you've been unfaithful, where you've been rebellious, I am now the true vine, the one pointing people to myself, the one true God. And my Father, He is the vine dresser. Jesus is now the vine. And we need to have that imagery solid in our imaginations before we hear the rest of this text. When I think of a vine, this is normally what comes to mind for me. This is probably like more of an ivy. And, and like you can see on the right a little bit of a vine, but like where does it start? Where does it begin? There aren't really big branches. And it's kind of confusing. And that's like, okay, vine, branches, I don't really understand this metaphor. But then this is actually what it would have probably come to their mind in the ancient Near East. This vine actually looks more like a tree trunk to me. Looks much more robust than this. This is what Jesus is getting at, that I am, I am the vine. I am the one that gives life and support. I am the one that is fully rooted and grounded. Ancient wine vines, I mean, they're hundreds of years old, maybe even more than that. And it is from this that we are to abide, that we are to remain is we have that image of this strong, rooted vine that is the Christ. We're going to unpack three things that come from this teaching. That we can expect pruning to take place. We are to abide in the vine. And we're going to unpack what that word means. And we're to bear fruit. And many of you are like, what's the fruit? Slow down. We will get there. But we can expect pruning to take place. Place. Jesus goes on to say, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Anyone here a gardener or have a green thumb? All right, a couple of you. There's a thing called pruning, right? I am not, neither is my wife. We buy plants and they just know they're off to their death. Like they're just, they know their days are numbered. Our last home in Dallas, uh, we had it for a couple of years and there was a beautiful crepe myrtle in the front yard. And every springtime or fall, I don't remember, just when Tanya told me to, she said, go prune the crepe myrtle. I'm like, are you sure? She's like, yep. I'm like, but it looks really nice. Cut it back. So I start cutting it. She's like, nope, keep cutting it back. I'm like, is this a test? Like, you can't come back later and say you killed it. And to the point, one year, like, it's down to nubs. I'm like, Okay, we'll see what happens and give it a few months. The thing is bigger and more beautiful than it could ever be. I had to cut off the good, beautiful stuff so it could even be more of what it was designed to be. And this often happens in our own lives where God takes the things that are good and beautiful and he prunes them back. My family and I, we've been up in Austin or down in Austin now from Dallas for a year in about three to five years leading up to that point, we had a restlessness in our souls. We loved the congregation we were serving. We, they saw us get married there. They saw us have our first child. But something was stirring in us. 
There was this pruning happening. The things that used to bear a lot of fruit in our ministry were just being cut back. The things that used to bring me fulfillment and desire as a worship leader were no longer doing that. Relationships we had for years, either because people were moving away or various circumstances were being pruned back, and it was painful. I was going, God, what are you doing? What are you, why are you pruning this back in our lives? And hindsight is twenty twenty, right? I now can look back in that season over the course of three to five years, God was pruning things back in our life and he was pruning things back in my last congregation's life so we could bear more fruit, that he was sending us down here to begin bearing fruit with you. And now my former congregation is flourishing and thriving through the pruning that God had done. And some of you, you may be in a season of pruning right now where it just seems like things are being cut back over and over and it's painful and it's hard and it's easy to start thinking god are you punishing me did i do something to deserve this but often that pruning is a sign of god's grace god's activity in your life of pruning even the good and beautiful things back that are keeping you back from living in john 10:10 10, 10, the abundant life that christ has brought for his disciples So take heart, I encourage you that even in the midst of pruning, we have a good father, a good gardener with skillful shears, with a skillful hand, and he knows what he is doing. Then Jesus goes on to say this, a word of comfort. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. The word clean here in the Greek is the same as pruning. That Jesus cleans, he scrubs away, he cuts back, and he has, he is the one that made us clean. It's not about us pruning ourselves and then coming to God. It's not like my crate myrtle in my old house is like, let me clean me up, house owner, so I can do what I'm supposed to do. No, it was my job as the, as the gardener, if you will. It's God's job. Jesus has already made us clean. And in that context, for a Jewish man or woman to hear, you are already clean, would have been revolutionary. But for us today, that might, some of us may still be playing that game. Like, did I do enough to please God? Did my bad things outweigh my good things? Oh, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 that game is done. I have made you clean. So rest assured, brothers and sisters, you are clean. You are grafted into the vine because of what Christ has done for us. Then he goes on to talk about what it actually means to abide. He says, abide in me and I in you and the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, how many of you use abide in your everyday conversations at home? Mommy, Daddy, I'm just going to abide in your commandments, right? Honey, I'm just going to abide in your love. Abide also can mean remain, to stay put, to not go anywhere, to plant yourself. I heard another preacher use this analogy, and it's too good to not use it. So I'm going to like mix metaphors, analogies here. But how many of you guys drink tea? All right, a couple of you. We'll get you to the dark side of coffee originally. I like tea, but if you drink tea, you know there's two ways you can prepare your tea. The first is you pour your water, and then you take your tea bag, and you dip it. And you just dip it. You di- How many of you guys are dippers? Yeah, you just do this over and over and over and over. And it eventually steeps, but you're just never quite 
get everything that was meant to be. How many of us, that's our relationship with Jesus? We kind of dip in, we dip out. Like average church attendance in America is like once a month. <laughs> like that's considered a faithful Christian these days, right? You guys, high schoolers, I love you. But you have the temptation. Right now, you might be all in. Love Jesus, I'm gonna go on tour for Jesus. And then college happens. And you are free. <laughs> Mom and dad aren't there. Your pastors, some of you are like, amen, I'm counting the days down. Are you gonna dip in and out? Are you just gonna kind of play this following Jesus thing? But there's another way to drink tea, to prepare your tea. You pour the hot water and the instructions say, just put it in there and let it steep. As it sits there, the hot water brings out all the flavors and smells and tastes. As it just sits there, and it seems to be doing nothing, but something's happening as it abides in this hot water. And the preacher that used this analogy, he said, uh, he got this when he was sitting with his friend at a cafe, and his friend was dipping the tea over and over and over. He's like, buddy, what are you doing? He's like, I got to dip it because if I let it sit there, it's going to get too strong. That will preach. <laughs> That's what he said, so I'm going to say it too. If we remain in Jesus, if we abide in Jesus, if you want to grow strong in your faith, if you want to, to have power and be filled with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't happen by dipping in and dipping out, dipping in and dipping out, by jumping all in and remaining. Mixed metaphors to abide, to be a branch that is rooted into the vine. There is no other way. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Sure, you can still be a nice human. You can pay your bills. You can do all those things. But you cannot bear spiritual fruit apart from abiding. You're like, that's great, but what is abiding? And like, I'm making this very simplistic. But there's three things that I believe the scriptures are clear in teaching. And throughout church history, to be a basic follower of Jesus, if you don't practice these three things, there's really no hope for you being a strong, abiding disciple. The first one is scripture. Read your Bibles. <laughs> Spend time in the scriptures, ideally, intentionally, every day. And some of you, you're like, I don't read it ever. Cool, start with five minutes a day. Get a Bible app. Grab the person next to you and be like, can you read this with me? Be in the scriptures. Prayer. How many of you are amazing at prayer? We had someone raise their hand. Teach me, please. Prayer is hard. It's a struggle. It's the one thing the disciples were like, Jesus, could you teach us how to pray, right? It's hard, but to grow in prayer is part of abiding. And finally, community. Christianity is not a solo event. It's not an individual thing. It's a community of people learning how to follow Jesus. And people are really annoying and messy, but that's where discipleship happens. At the 745 service, many of those saints have known each other longer than I've been alive. <laughs> And hearing the stories of the ups and downs of their life and how they have remained to Jesus through one another is beautiful and gives me hope for my generation and generations to come. Say this with me. Scripture, prayer, community. I mean, we've done a whole sermon series on each of those. Go back and listen to it from last fall. But those are the basics of what it means to abide. 
And then, and then Jesus just brings the whole mood down. <laughs> if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. This is one of those passages of preacher. I'm like, Jesus, why? Why do you have to throw that in there? Like, we were doing good. And now, wah, wah, wah. I can't just skip over this. Jesus is very clear. If you're not abiding in him, you'll be cast out, you'll be thrown away. And I'm not trying to scare anyone, be like, oh my goodness, because I remember when I was a new Christian, I was part of the college ministry, and the person in charge was like, so what's the spiritual fruit in your life? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I like apples. And he's like, well, do you know you're, if you're really saved by what we see in your life? I'm like, ah. <laughs> he was probably right. Like, I probably was doing a bunch of dumb things. But that's not what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is not saying you're judged by your fruit. The fruit per, that is produced in your life shows if you're remaining, if you're abiding or not. One that is cast away is not cast away because of the the bad fruit. They're cast away because they've never been grafted into the vine in the first place. A commentator says this, if anyone continues to remain not in me. And then he goes on to say in in his comments on this passage that the good news is Jesus never refuses anyone. You and I make the choice to not abide in him. You and I make the choice to abide in other vines. Right now, you may be in a season of pruning, or you may be flat out abiding in a different vine. Your bank account, your career, your kid's success, your political party, whatever it may be. And Jesus says, if you want to abide in that vine, that's fine, but there are consequences for that. But he never refuses anyone who desires to abide in him. And he goes on to say, this is what the, the fruit looks like. If you, this is a big piece of scripture we're going to go through right now. So hang on. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. First, we got to address that one. You guys are like, sweet, I'm getting a full ride to Harvard. I'm asking Jesus for it. It's not how it works. Maybe I'm going to get a Lamborghini when I retire. Jesus, Father, please, that's not what he's saying. Psalm 34, 7 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. As you remain in the Lord, as a, as a branch remains in the, in the vine, it produces the fruit it's supposed to produce. As you and I remain in Jesus and ask the Father, he begins to change our desires to ask things for his kingdom. From our own desires to his desires. And as we do that, he's a good father and desires to give us those things. Then he goes on to say, By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Disciples produce fruit. That's just what we do. And the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. We abide because Jesus loves us. As simple as that. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his commandments. Now he's starting to shift. What does this abiding, what do these fruits look like by obeying his commandments? These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We hear commandments and go wah, wah, wah. Jesus says commandments and he says, your joy will be full if you follow my commandments. 
So what are these commandments? What is this fruit? Your brain may be going to Galatians 5, peace, love, joy, all those. That's good, but that's not part of this text. Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Often there's passages as a preacher where I come along, can, can we just do that? I don't need to pull out the Greek. I don't need to give you a historical context. This is Jesus' commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So simple, yet so hard for so many of us, myself included. In John 13, in part of this discourse, Jesus says to his disciples, in the world will know you are my disciples by the kind of worship service you have. No. The world will know you're my disciples by which person you vote into office. No. The world will know you are my disciples by which thing in culture you want to war against today. No. The world will know you are my disciples by X, Y, or Z. No, he says the world will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. Jesus starts with the family of God to love one another in sacrificial ways. And he goes on to talk about in this passage that you lay your life down for the brother. That we are no longer servants, that we are friends of the king and we are to love how he has loved us. In church, the world needs us to love one another. Because as the world continues to shift and change and be different, I sit with a lot of you and a lot of you are very afraid. Pastor, the world doesn't look Christian anymore. Yeah, you're right. Pastor, you know they're making things look, yeah, it's Babylon. We are exiles in a foreign land. We're not in charge anymore. And Jesus says, love one another. Because as things continue to get farther from the way God intended, people are going to see the cracks in the system. And they are watching you. They are watching us. I was at a birthday party the other day, and someone was like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I'm a pastor. And she just quietly walked away. Because she sees how we love one another and goes, I want nothing to do with that. Gen Z, your generation desires to be loved and accepted. They don't care if the worship service is cool. They don't care if your pastor has tattoos. They want to be loved and accepted. Bethany, can we be a place where we give our money, our time, our resources to equip and love the generation that is below me even for the sake of the kingdom of God to love one another? Now, maybe like, but sometimes they need hard love. Stop it. Stop it. Love. You want the hard love, it's for the religious folk, not the people who are far from God. Love one another. Can we just do that? How do we do that? By abiding in one true vine. I can't love you how Christ has called me to love you in my own power. I can't. I don't want to. <laughs> but I'm connected to a vine that, guess what? You're connected to, too. 
as we walk with Jesus, as we obey his commands, as we are called clean by the king of the universe, he slowly, through the hard aspects of life, through pruning, through community, forms us to be people of love where the world goes, huh. Tell me more about this Jesus you follow. So brothers and sisters, may we learn to abide Remain, not just dip in and dip out. Jesus loves you if you're a dipper, but he's inviting you to jump in, to remain, be formed more into his image for the glory of the world. So Holy Spirit, I personally right now, in front of my brothers and sisters, I, I give you permission, Lord, to prune my life. Lord, Pastor Mar and I, we... We say, prune Bethany how you see fit for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of your kingdom in this world. I pray for these students, Lord, and all the students of Bethany, Lord, that they know they are loved and accepted and they, that they are loved and accepted by the people here at Bethany. So Holy Spirit, have your way with us. We trust you and where we don't trust you, help us trust you. Where we, we believe, but where we don't believe, Lord, give us faith. So come, Holy Spirit, and fill us, and prune us, and fill us, and prune us, and fill us, and prune us, and grow us, and prune us. Have your way with us. Amen.